Don't you love the Holy Ghost? Here's what always happens in my life. When I get out of the, out of the flow of the Spirit, y- y'all, y- that happens, you know, every once in a while. But, and, but it just, all that seems such a disconnect. But when you get back into it, you think, oh, yeah, this is, this is, why, this is what I've given my life for. Amen? I mean, there's just nothing like that. And uh, so that was really good. I mean, it just gets in my head, and my head just feels like it's just, actually feels like I'm swimming in my head. That's what it feels. I feel like I'm underwater. And that's a good feeling too, man. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. So I want to pray just right now for people. A lot of people don't really uh, feel that kind of, you know, don't have feelings like that. But I love to feel that. And because uh, it is good. Father, I just pray for every person in this room that you would help us all to become more sensitive to the, to the Spirit of the living God. And that we'd be able to feel you and sense you and smell you and, and touch your presence, Lord. We just thank you for that. I pray this morning as, uh, as the word is being delivered that hearts would be delivered and minds would be set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, today is Jim and, Jim and Kathy's and Don and Linda's last day. Yeah. Uh, well, we got claps and awes. <laughs> well, that's, that's the old thing. You know, parting is sweet sorrow, right? There's a sweetness to it, and there's a sorrow to it. The sweetness is is they're, they're parting in the will of God. The sorrow is is uh, we just can't run down the street and see them <laughs> and yell at them or whatever. We had to Skype them if we want to see them. But, uh, so, but, you know, a lot of you may or a lot of you here don't know this, but uh, Jim and Kathy were on the mission field uh, in Paraguay and Argentina years ago, back in the early uh, ni- late 80s, early 90s. And because of the situation and their circumstance in their life, their family life, they had to come back to the United States. And so they came back, and uh, Jim uh, became the uh, associate pastor of River Life. And so he served in that role up until sometimes 2002 or five or whatever it was. We don't really know because we can't keep up with dates. Dean can. Anyways... Uh, his mission, uh, his art mission became more than just him being a missionary. It became a missions organization to not only uh, uh, to, to cover mission, other missionaries and to help other people have a missionary training school in Resistencia. They're going to Salta, which is another part of uh, Argentina, and they'll be doing ministry in Argentina, Paraguay, and uh, Chile, and probably Brazil, probably, and a lot of other places, really. They've got a lot of doors open down there, China. Uh, so it's a great thing that they're fixed to getting to do. But we wanted to honor Jim today and get let, and have him to speak to us and give us a, a, a goodbye message. So we're. Uh, but before he does it, I want to tell you at the, at the end of the service, we're going to take up an offering for him. And uh, because he doesn't have all his money yet, uh, he's got money to get there. Probably money to buy some bologna sandwiches for a couple of weeks and then but he didn't have enough money to get his household established so you know if, if the lord moves on your heart or to give uh when we receive the offering that would be a great uh way to give if you're interested in, in knowing about more about his uh his uh, missionary organization uh is his heart missions dot org is a website you can go to it uh you know Perhaps you might want to become a supporter, a prayer supporter, or something like that. But I just want to just really, you know, uh, advertise what they're doing and get it out there because it's really a tremendous opportunity. He's opened a lot of doors for us as a church to be able to do uh, ministry down there. So, amen. Let's give Jim a big hand. Oh, you're good, Lord. You are really, really good. You know, intentions have a very real force behind them. Have you ever noticed that? I just felt your intention towards us, that positive affirmation really makes you feel good, doesn't it? 
We all need good intentions toward us. Not long ago, I was visiting a little uh, fruit stand off of Williamson Road over there. Uh, it's kind of like a little farmer's marketplace, and they got some North Carolina-grown tomatoes, and they're just really good. But Williamson Road, in the past few years, has become quite busy. And so trying to pull out of that little uh, farmer's market and go left is a nerve-wracking experience at best. You really can't wait for a quarter of a mile wide space to nose out there. You know, you kind of got to shoot, hold your breath and shoot for the suicide lane and then hope you can merge on and go your direction, you know. So I, I was, I saw a little space and I went for it. Well, it seemed that although the guy coming up behind me did not have to apply the brakes to keep from hitting me, it seemed to somehow insult his masculinity that I had occupied that space. And so he zoomed right up on my bumper and waved at me in a particular fashion that communicated his displeasure with me. You see, I felt that intention. I didn't stop to chat. I didn't get out to try to explain, man. I'd been sitting there five minutes trying to get home, you know. I, it just, it was one of those situations. Intentions. You know, God has intentions toward each and every one of us. He intends to do stuff to you and for you. Now, what you think about it when I say God plans to do stuff to you, what really actually comes up in your heart? Good stuff. You know, we like, we like to think we, we believe that. But then, when really horrible things happen to, in our lives, you know, when it just... Did you ever have a week that just didn't seem like anything went right? It just seemed like every time you turned around, you know, something else, your car that, you know, you, you, got, you got two weeks left in the United States and your car breaks down. And it's $350 to, re, to repair a throwaway car, you know, but you got to do it. You know, and it's just like everything seems to happen. Everything's going wrong. Okay, how do you feel when you lay down at night and you turn off the lights and it's nobody but you and the Lord? What is it? Did you ever get the thought that good things happen to other people, but it's never really going to work out for me? Am I the only one in the room? Come on now, you ain't supposed to lie in church. Let me ask it a different way. How many of you believe God has promised you something that is very dear to your heart? It's very special to you, but you haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet. Would you raise your hand if you believe you have a precious promise from God, but you've not seen it fulfilled yet? Okay. Now, how many of you have a promise from the Lord that's over five years old that you've not seen the fulfillment of yet? You know, Cindy, I believe that there are certain circumstances in our lives that happen that cause us to get downright serious with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? There are certain things that happen in your life it, you believe God's promised you something different than the circumstances you're staring at. And it's hard for your heart to believe what God has said rather than the circumstances you're facing. How many of you have a precious promise that you believe God's spoken to you that's over ten years old that you've not seen yet? Hang on. I'm coming. 
says the Lord. There is something special about the promises of God. And there is something particularly precious about the promises of God that are a long time coming. Because the promises of God have a twofold purpose. The promises of God are not only intended to bless you, but they're also intended to do such a deep work down in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, that you will be a blessing to others. That transformation process, because it, that's the only way you can make any sense out of that problematic verse in Romans 8.28 that says, All things... I'm talking about every single thing that happens to you, all things that happen to you, work together for good to those that are called according to His purpose. So that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, His Son. You see, that's what the promises of God are about. It's not just so that you can drive a pink Cadillac, although I wouldn't mind that. I'm secure enough in my masculinity to drive, to drive a Mary Kay car. It wouldn't bother me a bit. I, I've never had that thought before. But you see, the will of God is different than we've always believed it was. You know, I, I, I talk to young people all the time, and they're always looking for the will of God. Is it the will of God I go to this school? Is it the will of God that I go here? Is it the will of God I take this job? Is it the will... You know, but one morning I was seeking the Lord, and the Lord spoke something to me in that kind of semi-audible voice that I just... Man, it will really spice up your morning devotions. The Lord talks to you like that, and it's just like, golly gee, the rest of the day is just great. You know, it's just like worth doing. Well, he spoke to me one morning. Hey, I need my glasses. He says, the will of God is not an X on a map. It is not a place, a task, or a time. It's not a thing that you must find. My will is mine, says the Lord. You, my beloved, are mine. Selah. Did you get that? You're His will. I have set my heart upon you. And what I have destined you to become, a true and honest reflection of my Son. See, that is God's intention when He makes a promise to us. He intends a specific result. He intends to make us like Jesus. That's what the promises are all about. It's not the accumulation of toys. It's the multiplication of joys. I'm waxing poetic here. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. You know, Father Abraham received a promise. Genesis 12, beginning in verse 1, says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives. That's a little bit personal for me right now. I love it when she laughs.
You know, that's really the price of a missionary. It's not, you guys who recently got back from Argentina know it's fun down there. I have fun when I go to Argentina. Uh, you know, I have fun when I go to Paraguay. I have fun when I go to the other countries the Lord's allowed me to go to in the past few years. Uh, I've ministered in over 12 countries. I can't believe that. I'm just a little small-town redneck boy, you know, from western North Carolina. And, you know, but it's, it's like to leave behind my grandchildren here in the States, it's like ripping your heart out. The other day I went up to see my widowed mother and I thought, and I'm not, you know, it was just sad. I don't, I don't you know, she's in her 80s. I don't know if I'll see her again. I love my mama. I had a good mama. I had a good daddy that loved me. Leaving them is hard. Sometimes... To pursue the promises of God in your life, it seems as if it's a sacrifice. But I know, because I know Him, that there's never loss in following Him. There is only great gain. No matter what our human emotions tell us, no matter what our fears tell us, there is never loss in following the King of Kings. For He is the Creator of the universe. And He created me with a kind intention and for His glory and for His purposes here in the earth. And then the Lord keeps on promising stuff to Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. You see, there's, there's two things in this that is common to all the promises that God makes us. He not only promises to bless us just because He loves us. He loves you as an individual. You. You. You, Pam. You, just the way you are. You don't have to change. You know, I could care less how many fights my grandkids have been in between themselves when I get to see them. I'm not interested. I don't ask them. I just want them to hug and kiss on me. You know what I'm saying? Because I love them. I don't care what they've been doing. I just love them. Do you think... Our Heavenly Father feels any different toward us. It's not about performance. He wants to bless you because He desires you. He loves you. He made you the way you are. He doesn't love you because He has to. He doesn't love you because God is love and He just can't help it because there ain't nothing else in Him. No, He really likes you. You know, David Harwood, a friend of ours, has straightened my thinking out. He said, we've got this concept all wrong about the agape love of God. We think that God's the only one that can muster it up. Because nobody else can love perfectly like God. And He loves me, doesn't matter if I'm old, fat, bald, and ugly, because He has no option. He's love, He can't help it. But that's not true. You know, the Bible says, you know, Jesus is, is talking to His disciples and He says, don't you know that even sinners agape other sinners who agape them? Agape is the way sinners love each other. It's just love. It's the same thing that you think of when you think of love. God loves you. He desires you. He wants to be with you. He wants to bless you. But He also, in the process, wants to transform you in such a way that you become a blessing to others. And isn't that what you want to do? Everybody wants... You know, we don't want our kids growing up selfish. It doesn't matter how cute they are. 
Man, you got some cute children. I mean, Marlon and Mary have a factory for cute kids, I'm telling you. But you see, that's it. We want to be blessed, and we want to bless others. That same morning I got that little ditty about the will of God. The Lord also spoke to me something else. Three words. I love Holy Spirit. I love the way He talks to us. I love the way that He can speak just one word to you, and, and it's, it's like a download from heaven. You know, just in, in one word, you get this huge revelation that take you two or three hours to explain to somebody else, although I promise that Byron hasn't given me two or three hours. Don't worry. <laughs> We're going to make it in less time than that. But he spoke like three words to me about the will of God, about my life when I was praying one morning. And he said this, and it's, you got to get the intonation of the voice here, the intention behind it, okay? He said, cacophony or symphony? But it's really an opus. And then I felt him smile at me. Like, go figure that one out. So I didn't, I, I wasn't even sure. Do you know what cacophony means? You know, I wasn't. I kind of remembered the word, but I wasn't really sure what it meant. So I, I went to the dictionary, and I looked it up. It says, an unpleasant combination of loud, often jarring sounds. Have you ever felt like your life was kind of like that? You know, you're going along, minding your own business, praising Jesus, and all of a sudden, bam! Something hits you. And it has no rhyme or reason, but just, all, you know, some jarring thing happens to you in your life. And then you go along and bam, another disaster happens. Has anybody ever had that kind of experience? Isn't it, and in those moments, don't you try and say, well, my life is not just a series of jarring, meaningless happenstance occurrences, but it's got to be more like a symphony, right? It's got to have a melody. It's got to have a purpose. Don't we all hope for that? We don't want our lives to just be meaningless noise. We want it to have a purpose. So I looked up symphony, and it says, a complex, harmonious musical composition or arrangement for an orchestra including wind, string, and percussion instruments. Oh, man. That sounds a lot better, doesn't it? Sounds like, you won't want our life to be harmonious. We don't want it to be... I, I, I like jazz. I'm a, I'm a big fan of jazz. But I like jazz with a melody, you know? I don't want just this dissonant sounds going... You know, it's, I, I want it to have some melody to it. And that's the way I feel about my life. I want, I want to hear the melody. I, you know, and that's what I've gone for. But the Lord corrected me. And He says, uh-uh, it's not really a symphony. It's something else. It's an opus. An opus is one of a numbered series of musical works by the same composer. Like... This musical composition, this creative piece of art, is 1A. I'm 13,326B. But I've got my number. And it's by the same composer. You know, the composer that put together Sarah's life and destiny with a kind intention and promises toward her, also wrote a separate symphony, a separate musical work that is for my life. It's for me. It's individual to who I am and who I was created to be. 
An opus is also a creative piece of work in any of the field of arts which is considered to be the very best achievement of a master artist. Man, doesn't that speak to you? Wouldn't it be nice if at all moments in our lives we really down deep inside felt like we as a person and our lives were an opus of God? That it was pre-planned and that it's working out? Even in those moments when the rhythm changes, wouldn't it be nice to have that confidence that you are the artistic expression of God? One of my basic life revelations says that. It comes from Ephesians 2.10 and it says, You are His workmanship. The word there is poema, an artistic expression. We get our word poem from that. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which He has foreordained that we would walk in them. You see, before the foundations of the world were laid, God in His sovereignty and His precognizance of who I would be at this moment in history reserved for me certain special things that I get to do with Him that don't belong to anybody else. They're mine. They're mine. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we always felt that way? What is that buzz? Calm that tiger down. Yay. That guitar reminds me of a Kenny Rogers song from the 60s. I just checked in to see what my condition was in. I just checked in to see what condition my condition was in. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I can get listen. Okay. How do you respond to those promises that haven't happened yet? Do you have something that's really important to you? Maybe it's a brother or a sister or a relative that is not walking with the Lord, but God's spoken to you that they belong in the kingdom. Maybe it's a healing that you believe God has spoken to you about it, but it's a long time coming. You know, Sarah and Abraham waited for over ten years. You know, Abraham was 75 years old. Don's almost in the Abraham category. Here goes Don. He's going out like Abraham. What are you, 74? One year shy of Abraham. Here's Don, the mighty man of faith and valor, heading off to Mission Field in South America, you know, because he believes in the promises of God. You see, God had promised when Abraham was 75 that he was going to have a son. So he waited 10 or 11 years and nothing was happening. God shows up and He says, I'm going to give you a son in, in verse 15, in chapter 15. It says in verse 5, it says, Now look toward the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. But the promise was not there yet. And so Sarah came up with this idea that she would substitute the handmaiden and on her own effort make the promises of God appear. That didn't work out too good. Those brothers are still fighting over there. 
Ishmael and, and Isaac really haven't gotten along together down through history, and I don't think there are any signs of that working out. So we shouldn't think that we can do these things on our own. Well, I'm abbreviating the story here because time is running slow. Um, another 13 years goes by. Okay? Ishmael has grown up, and he's ready to be bar mitzvahed and circumcised all at the same time. That was a great day. Um, and the Lord shows up. And, said, and, and, and starts talking about the promises to Abraham again. And uh, in chapter 17, uh, he says, I want to give you a son by Sarah. In uh, chapter 17, beginning in verse 16, it says, I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her, speaking of Sarah. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her, and Dean Stein. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. And said in his heart, Will a child be born to a man 100 years old? And he says, Won't you just accept Ishmael and bless him? In verse 18, he says, No, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Now, sometime later that same year, the Lord goes away. And so within a few months, the Lord shows up at Abraham's tent again. Now, this is really good. I've never seen this before until just recently. Abraham comes back. He's on his way down to Gomorrah. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? So he was on his way down there to fry those two cities. And he stops off at Abraham's tent to tell him first. Okay? So the Lord sits down and he's talking to Abraham. Now how many of you have ever slaughtered an animal, built a fire, and roasted the animal over a fire? I know a few of you have. It, it, that doesn't happen quickly, especially at high altitudes. It cooks slower. But um, we do that in Argentina. We'll go buy a goat or a sheep or something. And it, you know, you vegetarians, I don't want to offend. So <laughs> Anyway, it takes a while. So the point is, is that the Lord's sitting here, and he's talking to Abraham for several hours. It takes a while. And they're sitting there talking. And uh, in um, Genesis 18, beginning in verse 9, let's read this, because it's, it's important you see all this is in the Scripture. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, There in the tent. You see, Sarah wasn't out there talking. She was in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah your wife will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. So here's the Lord facing Abraham. Sarah's over here hiding behind the tent flap, eavesdropping. You girls never eavesdrop, do you? Okay? But she hears that, and she laughs. One of the things I'd always wondered about is I'd heard a lot of messages on this, and it was okay for Abraham to laugh, but Sarah always got sort of criticized for laughing. And I thought, that always troubled me until I saw this. Now, and Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him, verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, she didn't even laugh loud, After I've become old, shall I have pleasure? We'll leave that there. My Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? The Lord asked the question, 
Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh. Why? For she was afraid. She was afraid. I'd always heard it that way. Then the Lord says, I heard you laugh, Sarah. Bad girl. Uh-uh. That's not the expression that was on his face. I have proof right there in the Scripture. I have proof that God didn't say like, you shouldn't have laughed. That was bad. What you did was bad. I have proof in the Scripture. That's not the attitude God had. This is the attitude God had. Because, see, He loves His daughter. Just like I love my daughter. And I love my son sitting back there. And I love all my grandbabies. And I'm not criticizing them. He said, <laughs> yes, you did laugh. <laughs> I saw you. And not only that, don't you remember several months ago when I was here last time, I told you what to name the child that's coming. I told you you were going to call him laughter. Isaac means laughter. Because joy was always my plan for you. Healing happiness and ecstatic joy in the fact that I showed up and healed the deepest wound in your spirit. Your barrenness exists no more for the child of promise is in you and you will bring it forth and it will be great joy to you and it will be great joy to every generation down through the annals of human history that I intervened in your life and healed your barrenness. Do you have some barrenness in your life today? Do you feel like there's something that's just not working? Do you have a promise that's not been fulfilled? Well, I'm telling you, no matter what the circumstances tell you, His intention toward you is joy. His intention towards you is peace. His intention toward you is victory. His intention toward you is overcoming everything in your path. Not so that you will just be blessed, but so that you will be a blessing to generations and to nations. That's God's intention toward us. Do not settle for anything less. Do not believe the lies that your insecurities and your fears tell you. God is not laughing at you. He wants to laugh with you. A deep and hearty renewal type roll around in the floor belly laugh. I have further exegetical proof of my position. In Genesis 21, verse 5 says, Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Twenty-five years in the making. From the time Abraham turned away from his old home and stepped out preferring a kingdom that was unseen. He preferred a spiritual existence rather than a carnal existence. And Babylon nor Egypt held sway in his life anymore because he was stepping out towards the promises of God. But it took 25 years for the physical evidence to show up of that work that was being done in the heart of Abraham. I've always admired very calm Bible teachers, but I've never been able to attain to it. Because this stuff excites me. Now, Abraham was a hundred years old. And Sarah said, 
God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. Not at me! Because the promises of God did not fail in my life. No matter how long it seemed like it took for Him to get there, everybody remembers this promise, right? This is probably the most widely known promise of God in human history. Now, I am proposing that each and every one of you who raised your hand and said God made a promise to you, that His intention is for you to walk toward that promise. No matter how ridiculous it seems to other people around you. But if you've got a promise from God, then you step on out there toward it. And I'm telling you, He will not let you down. Because our God is faithful not only to bless us, but to transform us into a blessing in the process. In Psalm 126, and I'll close with this one, I think, probably. The water thing? Hmm. Well, in July of 2003, Mr. Douglas Murdoch and Donald and Linda Gein and myself and Grace Wicker, Byron's Becky's daughter and a few others, uh, Luis's brother and sister, we all, because we were being prophetically led, I believe in prophecy. Do you believe that God still speaks to people? I'm telling you, I don't care if I'm wrong. I've crossed the line. There ain't no going back. I have determined that I am going to believe what I expect to receive, and that is that God will talk to me and indicate me what I should be doing. I believe He speaks to us still. And through a long chain of circumstances, I obviously can't tell you in five minutes because it stretches back 15 years prior to 2003, we went to the Salta province in a corner of Argentina that we'd never been to before. And we took a little tourist train ride way up into the Andes Mountains. And they let us off the train in this one little town at nearly 14,000 feet elevation. And we were breathing like catfish on the bank because there's not much air up there. And I felt like God promised me that there was a purpose in that town for us. And we went back down the mountain and the pastor we were staying with the next day told me that 80% of the women die before the age of 50 because there's arsenic in the water. And it broke my heart. And one of the people that was with us said, somebody ought to do something about that. Which is usually our response to things. But I have learned to say, not somebody ought to do something about it, but ask the Lord, is that mine, Daddy? And so in the middle of the night... In July of 2003, the Lord spoke to me, if the body of Christ will provide waters of life where they're drinking waters of death, then many lives will be rescued and many lives will be saved. Whoa. Me? I don't know anything about arsenic. The first... Estimate we had to resolve the problem was piping in water from 36 miles away, which had a, a ballpark guesstimate of $3.5 million. That was a little much for my faith. Long story short, very long story short, for seven years, most of you who know me have grown sick and tired about hearing about the arsenic problem that we want to solve in San Antonio de los Cobras. But on July the 23rd, just a couple, two or three weeks ago, Don and I and Dean and another couple of guys from His Heart Missions signed the final contracts and they're now manufacturing the system to provide arsenic-free drinking water for that town before Christmas.
I promise you there were many times in that seven years that I wanted to quit. And if I'd known how long and arduous and complex of a process that would have been, I would have told the Lord straight up, first day, no. Get somebody else. This is out of my league. But that's why we affectionately call him Jehovah Sneaky. Because he kind of baits you into something. Come on. Just a little further. Come on. Come on. Just a little more. Yeah. If I know a girl once told me she was never going to be a pastor's wife. She laughed. Becky laughed at me. Years ago, I prophesied that Becky and Byron were going to pastor a large going church on the north side of Charlotte, and Becky laughed. And now God's saying, you guys are stewards over a DNA in the kingdom that has elevated your calling to an apostolic calling, and you will multiply representations of the local body of Christ like this one in many nations. Don't you laugh. No, actually, it's okay. (laughs) Because that's just so far out there in case, unless God shows up, what in the heck, how do you respond to something like that? So the only thing you can do is laugh. And you know, He's laughing with you, not at you. Because He says, I'm going to show you things you ain't dreamed of yet. I'm going to do stuff for you that requires the supernatural to be a daily part of your life that you can move in the prophetic in a, in a realm, in a depth that you've never even smelt yet. Oh, man, don't get me started. My time's up. Do you get it? Do you get it? You see, God wants to talk to each and every one of us like that. He wants to reveal His... Plans for us that just kind of go, whoa, that's hard to wrap my mind around. Because until you feel totally incapable, you don't have a clue what He wants for you yet. Because His will always has to include His supernatural intervention. It ain't something you can do by yourself. Well, what good's that? What kind of testimony is that? Oh, he went out and did good things by himself. Didn't have any help. Did it all alone. Didn't need the body of Christ. Didn't need other people. Didn't need God. That ain't what he's talking about, children. Psalm 126, verse 2 says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with joyful shouting. Hallelujah. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. You know, most of us believe that God can do great things for them. Like we believe that God can do great things for Amy and Andy, or Marlon and Mary, or Pastor Byron and Becky. But what about little old me? You know, we got to reorient the way we think to the point that it's not that God has done great things for them, but God has done great things for me. Because that's the testimony He wants in the earth. Then the nations, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are glad. You know, God planned for you to laugh as well. I think I think he likes to overwhelm you. I have it I have a lot of evidence that he likes for us to be in a constant state of being overwhelmed. So we're getting on a plane on Thursday. We're headed out to northwest Argentina. And I fully expect God to do great things. I fully expect to plant a lot of churches. 
I fully expect to do a lot of free eyeglass clinics, Veronica. I fully expect to do a lot of other water filtration projects. Who knows what he has? Who knows? I don't know, but I can promise you this. I'm going to suck up to the Holy Spirit as close as I can get and draft right on him for you NASCAR guys. You know, I'm drafting. I'm done. I think the Lord may have been speaking to some people this morning, you reckon? Well, one thing we want to do right now, just before we do anything else, is we want to receive that offering for, for, for Jim and Kathy. So if Brett and these guys could come up and can make your check out to River Life and all the money we receive, we're going to give to them. Uh, again, if you're in, interested in learning more about their ministry, uh, is His Heart Missions, one word, dot org. That's their website. Yeah, make a check us out at RLF and we'll make sure they get it all. And what we're going to do, you know, a couple months ago we had a time where we prayed for Jim on a Wednesday night. It was, uh, Lord bless the offering. Uh, so we're not going to, <laughs> go ahead. What we're going to do, though, I'm going to ask Don and Linda and Jim and Kathy to come up. And uh, th- this is how we want them to, you know, he said to, to be blessed. You can go ahead, John. You can, to be, go ahead. Oh, he's letting y'all write the checks. In fact, he's giving y'all. That might be the Holy Spirit. Somebody wasn't going to give. And then, there you go. Uh, to, to be blessed and to be a blessing. And so we're going to give Jim and, and, and Kathy and Don and Lynn an opportunity to, to be one final blessing for us today. If you feel like the Lord spoke to you through this and you would like for them to pray for you and just release uh, this hope, this encouragement into your heart, over the promises of God and the, the, the overwhelming life that God's uh, called you into, we, we would like, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that. That's how we're going we're gonna to end today is letting these, these four guys minister to you. Also, uh, be great. Uh, uh, I always like, uh, if Karina, if you would like to come up and pray too, because Karina can, she can zip you on prophetic words, man. So, so if Karina, you can, huh? Yeah, yeah, but uh, so why don't you guys come on up, uh, Jim and Don and Linda, get Jim and Kathy, Karina. Is James here? He's here. If he, James, you want to come up and pray too? Come on. Who? Yeah, somebody's got to keep the baby. Uh, Amber can keep the baby. So this is a great time. If you just want to receive more from the Lord and what He's doing, uh, this is the last time we'll see these guys for a while. But they'll be back. So let me just pray. And you, if you want to receive ministry, just come on up right now and just line up. And the Lord bless and keep keep all of us. And may the promises of God uh, be fulfilled in your life quickly in Jesus' name. Amen.